Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome to the show, my friends. Today's guest, like many people, used to be overworked in a J-O-B where he managed between $1 to $3 million per month. And all he wanted was more time to spend with his family. The difference is he did something about it. Today, besides loving fast cars, camping with his family, he works hard in building his own brand and helping other people build their brands. He's not only an influencer, he's a savage marketer. He's the chief growth officer of brandedmedia.io, and he's the founder of the VA staffer. Jeff J. Hunter. Jeff, how's it going? Wow. Thank you for that intro. That was beautiful. Man, I'm not sure if I deserve it, but it was accurate. <laughs> uh, yeah, you do deserve it, man. It's uh, it's a pleasure having you here, Jeff. It's been it's been a long time coming. So let's start before we get into business here. So how's the Corvette? Are you loving that? Here's the problem with the COVID nineteen and the production problems and the strike. I still haven't. Or- I ordered my Corvette last year. And they said that maybe we would get it by August of this year. Well, it's July, and I haven't even got a call back from the dealership yet to pick out everything that I want because now it's maybe it's a good thing, but there's some options that have changed, and I see that in September this year, they're going to start taking orders on the 2021. So maybe I'll just wait for the 2021. I don't know. Wow. Um, You do have one. I I have – yeah, so I have a 50th edition – 50th anniversary Camaro. I have one of those. yeah. Yeah, the drop top, all black. It's badass. My my son, my seven year old, calls it the Transformer because uh, yes. you know it's got the. If you if you know anything about the newer model Camaros, if you have a convertible, you from the outside with your key, you can make the the top come off, and it does yes. this little thing, and everyone goes, oh yeah. <laughs> so and and remember the movie Transformer, right? Like yeah. that Camaro was like Bumblebee, right? So my dad's like, uh, so my son's like, oh my God, dad, you, you got a Transformer? <laughs> you got a black Bumblebee, right? <laughs> I do like fast cars. That's true. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's very interesting how the gas mileage goes down when you change it from touring mode to sport mode. Uh, but I'm very much looking forward to the Corvette because it's going to have, uh, it's, it's, it's insane. So, yeah. So that, that's the, the 2020 Stingray, the 2.9 second one? Yeah, it's a uh, mid mid engine. Um, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I reserved mine last year. They said probably by August, which I was upset about because I was hoping April. Well, now it's July, and I'll be lucky to have it in August. I don't even think that's going to happen because I got a custom color. I got orange with orange seat belt with the black carbon fiber trim. And now that I've got my Savage Marker launch, I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's on purpose. Maybe I'm going to do black with red trim now. You know? Wow, man! Oh man, I, I really like that one. Um, I. Uh... I mean, I'm a car lover too. I uh, I have the Porsche Turbo. Uh, it do- it doesn't do the 2.9 second, but yeah, the um, K- what do you have? The Cayenne or what do you have? Yeah, the Cayenne Twin Turbo. There. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's and I the, mean, Ky- the Cayenne's only what the the thing about the Corvette that's really crazy is that it's it's about three thousand dollars cheaper than the Cayenne, which is mind blowing considering the performance. So yeah, and the engine, you the Corvette has the 6.2. This has the 4.5 the yeah. twin turbo. Night and day. <laughs> and, man, let me tell you something. The car is economical. It it barely touches the fuel until you touch the pedal. When the as soon turbo, as you hit the turbos, baby, and those things spool up, you can hear the gas through the pipes go. 
when it's doing, and uh, I mean, not that I tested, but that thing can do 275 before and it's kilometers before fifth, uh, um, shifting to sixth gear. So in wow. fifth, um, but it drinks about a liter of oil per thousand kilometers. Wow. When when you're doing that, it, it's incredible. So, <laughs> but hey, it feels good, right? I mean, that's why we buy cars. It's the how, how it makes us feel, which I that's, think is a perfect uh, perfect segue into the business part of our segment, because there's so many things that we do in life because they're based on feelings and not logic, right? So yes, and and and, and another thing is, a lot of people do it because how it makes others feel, uh, or, or exactly, but. I, you know, I don't want status because I went with the Cayenne. The Cayenne visually is not, I mean, it's not super appealing. Some people think it's a van. I think right? it looks sexy, but oh, I but you're so. right. It's definitely not a, it's definitely not a Ferrari or a, yeah. even a, a Jaguar, you know, for that. Yeah. I mean, but when you, man, when you touch that gas pedal, yes, the feeling is, uh, <laughs> I, I lived in Europe for 20 years, Jeff, 25. So you don't, you don't want to run away from highways where you can do almost anything <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's why i stayed there so long anyway <laughs> the autobahn right <laughs> yes anyway one more one more before we get in deep into the business one of the things i noticed is that uh like like any marketer you use facebook as as a tool but one of the things i notice is your posts are always on top of at least my feed mm. how the, how the heck do you do that well, I have a, a, a method, actually, to be honest, I, I got jealous of other influencers and marketers in my space that were just always on top of my feed. And I was like, dude, these guys, some of them aren't even like, you know, like I'm not going to, I don't want to sound hit critical here, but a lot of them don't even have close to the achievements and accomplishments that I have, but yet mm-hmm. they're able to put out this perception of success and awesomeness because they're able to have the popularity contest vote, right? So I actually, and one of the things that I have at my disposal is I have a really large team. I've got 80 people on my team. At the wow. time when I was doing this experiment, I only had about 40, 50 people on my team. But a couple of years back, I said, what is it that makes these posts super popular? It makes these people get so much engagement. And I had one of my VAs, his name's Clarence. He still does this for me today, as a matter of fact. He goes into Facebook and he looks at all the posts that these people make. And then I had him categorize it, short posts, long posts, with picture, with video, without picture, without video, you know, like everything he could do, like what the context of the story is, even the writing style, like how did they write? And I started seeing a lot of similarities between all of the things that were going, quote unquote, I don't want to call it viral. I want to call it infectious. Okay. Mm. They're going infectious within the network. They get a hundred likes, stuff like that. Like I, like I always get stuff that has 50, hundred likes. Like every post gets 50, hundred likes. I could literally post something with no context, no caption, but because of the audience that I've built and they're used to it. Like for example, here's a picture that I posted yesterday uh, that is obviously doing really good. Um, I said, all I said was famous last words, I'll be in my office. And I posted <laughs> this picture of, this new office desk that I'm contemplating getting that by the way, one of my clients is getting and he asked me to come with him to Las Vegas to pick it up. That's why I'm like, Hmm, <laughs> so I can't let my client outdo me. Okay. So, yeah. so what I found was that there's, there's five pieces of criteria that works basically unequivocally every time. 
And number one is you have to be able to pique people's curiosity, right? People are constantly scrolling on social media and you only have a fraction of a second to pull their attention while they're scrolling. So you've got to grab, grab their attention. And the way, the best way to do that is to pique someone's curiosity. Say, Oh, what is this? What is he doing? What is going on? Why is this happening? Right? What, what, what is he talking about? That's, that's what we want people to think. Right. So that's the curiosity. The second people is you have to make sure that you're leading people with value. Why should they keep reading your post? What are they going to learn from it? What kind of value are they going to get from it? So you got to lead them. Right. The next piece is you have to make people feel emotionally invested in your story, in your post. Right. Like even though that's only two sentences, people saw that and they're curious now because half of the comments on my post are, are you getting that? Oh, my God. Where did you get that? Send me a link. Right. People's pe- people have their curiosity peaked. The second time when I say famous last words, right, I'll be in my office. It's making people relate to it. It's making people relate, right? They're saying, what is this? This is, this is very interesting. They're, I'm leading them with value because I'm giving them, I'm giving them an idea of what the future could look like for them. Right. Yeah. I'm making them emotionally invested because they're saying, dude, they can picture themselves in this badass freaking desk chair, right? Like this is cool. Like it's something off the matrix or something, you know, Absolutely. the next piece is that you've got to analyze. Now, this is the part that I skipped on my post because it's only two sentences, but you need to, this is the authority factor, analyze, okay? You have to put things in perspective for people from your point of view. So this is where, like I could have said, I was thinking about getting a new desk and I was thinking about this and this and this, but because of my personal style and I want to upgrade my production value, I decided I'm going to do this. Now I'm analyzing, right? So now it's, it's proving my position and it's really reinforcing authority of why I'm doing something. It also impregnates people with your own visions and views, okay? Yeah. The last piece is reinforcing the original value of the post, and that causes people to react. Okay, so that's an acronym called CLEAR. I launched that, it's called Social Copy Secrets. I put this program out there with everything that I discovered about how to write things. I put templates out there. I gave people all these starting lines. I gave people tons of examples. I even have a Facebook group that like, if people pay and they sign up, they get access to the group and they can post their stuff in there for me to tear apart. I do tear down posts where I say, this is good, this is not good. This isn't gonna work. This is how you should say it. And it's been a really fun experiment. And what's cool about it is by doing so, I've improved myself, right? So, um, yeah, I'm a little obsessed about copywriting. <laughs> Beautiful. And you said you, you improved yourself. And When you teach uh, others, it, it forces you to improve. Yeah, because if you teach somebody and they don't get results, you feel like crap. So I'm constantly always trying to improve results. So I can, I can do that for myself. Yeah, and, and I like that you teach the things that – Others can see that are working for you because uh, you teach influence. And one of the things is I saw you on TV, uh, CBS, ABC, NBC News. Man, you've been on Russell Brunson's podcast, right? Uh, The ClickFunnels official. So it's obviously working for you. So that's proof. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't need any proof. They believe in everything. But you know how it works now with the internet. Everybody doubts everything. So you have that's because everybody claims to be an expert. You know, if if everybody claims to be an expert, it downgrades the view of an expert, right? That's why it's so important today to move out of the box of being an expert to being a recognized expert. And do you think everybody needs to have a personal brand? I don't know if I'd say everyone needs to have one because, you know, I was able to, it's funny because for myself, um, I was kind of hidden behind VA staffer, my virtual assistant company for many years. I was just, 
the guy, you know, I was mm-hmm. the only white guy in the picture of my Philippine staff picture, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that was it. So I, but what's interesting is that I never thought it was valuable until I actually developed a reputation as the king of outsourcing. And when that happened, it was weird because opportunities presented themselves when people were like, Hey, I'm looking for a virtual assistant or whatever. And on Facebook, people would tag me and say, dude, you gotta, you gotta check out Jeff. He's the guy. And that's when I started realizing, you know, there's a lot of value in having a strong personal brand because you can become the guy, right? Whether it's a guy or girl or whatever, but you Mm -hmm. want to be that person, right? You want to be the guy. So how do you position yourself to be the expert in your field that other people can point to and say, this is the person you got to talk to. And when that happens, literally life changes. Like what's interesting is, you know, Quinn, just two weeks ago, I, I, I was able to accomplish a milestone that I've wanted since I was on this entrepreneurial journey, which is being featured on the actual radio show, entrepreneur.com's radio show. And that was a huge milestone for me. It's called Entrepreneur Weekly. I was just featured on it. Matter of fact, it's usually a 20 minute segment and we did a full hour. We did a full hour segment, which is unheard of on the show, right? Yeah. So that went across like hundreds of different radio stations live, plus it's on their podcast and website. Like, that was amazing. And you know what? The best part is I didn't pitch them. Alan Taylor, the host came to me because he's my friend on Facebook. I've been building that relationship. We've done things together in real life. We've hung out. We've talked about cars. We've talked about family. We've talked about God. We've talked about all sorts of things personally. And he said, you know what, Jeff, every time I think about you, I just think about you smiling and us always having fun. (laughs) And he even said that on the podcast when he interviewed me. And he says, you know, there's some people that when you think about them, you think of certain things. And he goes, every time I think of Jeff, I'm just always overwhelmed by this giant smile. Like we always have fun together. And I thought, man, how could you have so much fun building a business? Because we all know as an entrepreneur, it's not always fun, right? Absolutely. And he says, I'd love to talk about your journey. And and he says, and I want to do a whole hour segment. And so like, for me, I was so honored, right? And, and to know that that stuff's working and that I'm able to get inside people's heads, like famous people's heads means that I must have been doing something right. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You have to be doing something right. So you talked about VA staffer uh, that you founded that almost eight years ago, right? Seven and a half years. I think seven ish years ago. Yeah. I, I, it all came up from a crazy ass idea of me having a full-time job. Like you introduced me, I was overworked, you know, working 16 hours a day. Sometimes I would say definitely for sure. 12 hours was the minimum day, you know, eight to eight type type of a day sometime earlier, um, working at a fortune 500 company as a project manager. And it all spurred one day when I said, wouldn't it be nice if I had someone to help make me a Gantt chart? Now, if you know anything about project management, or if you don't, a Gantt chart is when you have a bunch of different little tasks well, not little, let's say you have a $3 million hospital that you're building. That's what I did. I built hospital infrastructure for uh, patient care. So let's just say you're going to have a nurse station where all the nurses monitor the patients. And then each of the patients are hooked up to a little device that monitors how they're doing. And then there's a wireless network that those send signal to that go back there. Like that's what I did, right? There's no such thing as you know, error when you're working in a hospital. When you have patients connected, there is no room for error, right? So I had to be very stringent on my project management and say, here's the project. Here's everything that we need to do working backwards to make this successful. Here's how much time each one of these would take. And then I put this plan together in a chart so that I could give it to people and they could say, oh, okay. And the funny part is it never worked out like the plan. 
right? Yeah. But when you give them the plan, it makes them feel better about it, right? We, we as project managers try to, to do what's called risk mitigation. We try to keep it as close to the plan as possible, but there's always risk, right? Our job is to minimize the risk. Minimize. Mitigation. Well, the sad part is I didn't really have a lot of time to do mitigation or manage projects. 60% of my time was doing documentation and GAN charts. So I went on this website, fiverr.com, back when it was $5 still. <laughs> and I just typed in like Gantt chart. There was only one gig and it was a guy in Pakistan. Okay. And he said on his profile, and he had a very nice picture with himself with a suit and stuff. And he said that he was a PMP, project management certified by the PMI Institute, project management Institute, that he was certified. And I said, holy crap, for $5 an hour, this guy for real, hmm. I, I was mind blown. And it would have took me 15, 20 hours to do one of these Gantt charts. He comes back to me. And by the way, I'm managing 50, 60 projects at a given time. So for me to dedicate 20 hours on a project would take a week, two weeks, three weeks. So he was able to get it back to me in one day, charge me eight hours, which is about 40 bucks, right? Wow. And in my head, I had this epiphany saying, oh my gosh, this is such a time saver. Now my company didn't pay me for that time. I paid out of my own pocket. Right. But I was able to become a top five project manager in that company within the first 12 months. Okay. I got rewarded. Matter of fact, I just went on a bike ride yesterday on my Trek 7.2, which is a thousand dollar bicycle that I won as an award for being a top five project manager. Wow. So like I was being rewarded in my own way. Right. And most of that was just me having time, me actually being able to have time back in my day to spend with my family, to do things I want to do and not have to slave away making documentation. So you found a way to outsource your nine to five, what technically wasn't a nine to five. And ironically, that's what got me in trouble. And that's why I left. I, they asked me, wow, you're doing fantastic. How did you do this? And I told them the truth. I said, um, I have help. And they said, yep. you have help. And I said, yeah, I hired this guy to help me do my Gantt charts. And they're like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, and I got written up. I got written up on a performance improvement plan. And uh, it was, it was an interesting discovery for me that maybe I was onto something. And uh, it was at that point in time where I went all in and I built my virtual team. And I, it was kind of my side hustle until it, it made enough to where I felt like I could leave. And by the way, my only looking back moment was I probably should have stayed a little bit longer because it was not profitable when I left. Um, so imagine going from $150,000 a year salary to not, yeah, right, to a break-even business. And then I was so – I had to move in with my grandparents, you know, like I didn't – and I had a wife and a three-year-old son. I had – you know, talk about one of the most demoralizing, humiliating you know, depressing moments of your life is a 30 something year old man moving back in with your grandparents. Right. So it was definitely tough, but, um, the sacrifice was worth it. I took my family to the Philippines. We lived there for a whole month. About 70% of my team are in the Philippines, maybe more now. Um, and it's just been an incredible journey of, you know, learning a lot sadly, a lot of it the hard way. I wish I had the mentors like I have now. I didn't have them back then. Um, but, uh, I think that, you know, if anyone's listening to this and they're trying to take that full jump, A, nothing's wrong with having a J-O-B, okay? There's a lot of hustlers out there that are going to try and sell you on how important it is to work 80 hours a month, you know, 80 hours a week for yourself 
so that you don't have to work 40 hours for someone else. I don't believe in that. I believe that you should have, you know, security in what you're doing, especially if you have a family, right? And then you can validate your side hustle. Don't go all in on your side hustle until you validate it and it's profitable. I say that all the time. I'm so glad you mentioned it. I say it all the time. It's okay to quit your job, but don't quit your job today. Secure, make sure that your hobby is actually productive. And in my space, it's it's physical products that you sell. So I tell everybody, if you make six figures, remember, we have to live with the margins because you sold a hundred grand. You don't have a hundred grand in your pockets. You have about 20, right? And that was so, the big realization for me, Quinn. Like I went from, you know, a hundred and something thousand dollars and then, you know, taxes and everything else, you know, you're making good money to making a hundred thousand something dollars, but costing 80,000 to do it. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, wow. And even my first year, uh, I think my very first year was maybe 220,000 when I went all in and it probably cost me 150,000 to do that. So I'm still negative, you know, like I was still wasn't making money, but I had downsized a lot. Uh, I had really focused on how could I do cost savings, you know, and, um, there was a lot of things I had to, to sacrifice in my life to, to get to that point. But, you know, now, you know, looking back on it, it's funny because it really is true. More money, more problems, you know, mm -hmm. um, because as my business has grown, I've had to grow my staff. And as, as the staff grows, you have more payroll and, you know, you have to make a lot of decisions based on how much value everyone on your team is going to be able to contribute and bring in. And you're going to find there's some things that just don't make you money. Like my accountant, you know, they don't make me money. Although I take that back because they did get me a $150,000 SBA loan. So they, they applied, they applied for that for, for me and our company. And we got the 150 K plus the 4,500 in, uh, you know, payroll PPP. So they, they pay for themselves finally. <laughs> there you go. But you have to imagine years and years of paying for accountant, right? Um, but I think it's really important that you decide what you're going to do and what you're going to have other people do and then how that's going to drive revenue. At the end of the day, you've got to figure out ways to make sure that every activity that's being done in somehow, some way is adding to the overall value the company creates. And Jeff, you said the first month you, you actually moved to the Philippines and you stayed there the whole month. Yeah. This is where you found the staff. Did you have like a platform yet for your customers to go? To? Yeah. So I, at that point when I left my business, I had already had maybe 20 people on my team and okay. I had one giant client domo.com that was hiring 10 of my team full, full time. And my margins were so bad because like I said, I already had a full time job. I was already, you know, making good money and I never needed to be profitable. Um, so, you know, I was probably making 20% profit margins at that time, which is obviously not enough. Guys, if you're listening to this, please make your profit margins 50% or higher. If you're doing services, you know, if you're doing services, um, if you're doing, you know, if you're doing volume e-com, obviously you can have lower margins, but you're doing volume, right? Um, for, for human capital, there's a large overhead. There's a large overhead for human capital. So, you know, make sure that you're profitable from day one. Yeah. You know what? I'll, there's a quick little story uh, about one of my businesses that not many people know about, but 90, probably 95% of my businesses are online, online businesses. Uh, but a couple are physical businesses. And one of them was one of the fastest growing ones. It took only five months to reach seven figures. Now, that's the numbers that everybody focuses on. 
how much did you make, right? And of course, it was seven figures, 1.2 or something in the first uh, five, five and a half, six months. But Jeff, you want to know how much the profit was? <laughs> I'm afraid to ask. It was negative 275. <laughs> okay. So, well, I think you and I, Quinn, have been around in marketing long enough to know when we can smell BS. Um, one of the things that's a huge red flag for me is when I see someone who has an online e-com store and they'll post their like $1 million in yes. sales on Stripe. But mm -hmm. what they don't show you is that it took $1.2 in ads to do it. <laughs> yes. Well, they got inventory and ads. It's $1.2 So you're like, okay, so you made a million, but it cost you 1.2. Exactly. At 1.2 on Facebook ads. Yeah, ran a few Google ads too. You, you dabbled with Bing. So you did lost another 50 grand there. And you spent $20,000 on influencer campaigns that didn't work on Instagram. <laughs> yes, because they didn't <laughs> you have gave it. away a bunch of products. <laughs> you know, like. They didn't have any engagement. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So listen, after when you started, this was fairly new to you. How did you feel that? Did you feel like you had control? Because now they're, they're far away and you're remotely. You're, you're remotely managing these people. That, Did you that was a hard lesson. So I went to the Philippines two, three times a year, mainly two, I would say two times on average. Um, I've been to the Philippines like 15 times now since 2013. Mm -hmm. um, and usually when I, and by the way, this is how, this is a testimony to how amazing that my company has grown and how the staff that I have has really stepped. And by the way, I'm not a narcissist. This, this shirt of me, okay, this is me. <laughs> This shirt of me pointing at you right now, just like I'm doing, was made by Mike Schmidt, one of my people, one of my, one of my homies who asked me for my address, had no idea what he was going to do, and he sent me this shirt. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you see two beautiful bald guys. I know it's a little overwhelming. For those of you listening to the podcast, you got to watch the video because there's a beautiful bald man in front of you and a shirt with the same beautiful bald man also on him. But um, I, I actually ended up hiring a consultant. Her name was Rhea. And her, uh, I had no idea what I was doing in the Philippines. And in 2016, uh, I hired her, brought my family from the Philippines we, uh, to the Philippines with me. And basically, I sat down with her and figured out, like, what is it that's really holding me back from being profitable? And that's when we realized that we were paying people the wrong way. I was paying people salary, and they were working overtime. And that's the only way that they were able to make more money was to work longer hours. So the incentive isn't to perform, it's to work more hours. So now I've changed up my, my, uh, my payment a bit to reward people for doing a good job, to actually performing. So like for example, Julio, my inbound sales guy, you know, this is a new thing too, is that he has a base kind of a salary that he gets and then he gets a bonus incentive for everyone he brings on board, every sell that he makes. And this was a huge change for me because it incentivized people to do the right things, right? Like if I have an inbound sales guy, I want him to make sales. So if I'm paying part of his, his, his performance, his pay is based on performance, then it incentivizes him to get more performance, right? So you have to think a lot about how, that, how that's done, how you pay your team. And also because I'm virtual, and by the way, this is the testimony I was saying earlier, I haven't been to the Philippines since August of 2018. August, okay? Wow. And in January of 2019, by unanimous decision, my team, who I had an office in Makati City downtown, 
Makati City in the Philippines is like the Silicon Valley of the Philippines. And we all had this call because one of the team members said, hey, sir, I noticed that most of the people you're hiring now are remote. So there were 20 people in the office and about 30 people working from home. And they said, why are we still working in the office? And I was like, huh. Well, in 2014, when I bought that office, the internet was trash. The power was trash. Like you couldn't get a reliable internet for a good cost in the Philippines. Now you can get really fast internet, really cheap, like 30 US dollars, which oh. is still expensive in the Philippines. But it used to be like I, the, the broadband connection that I was paying for, it was a cable connection. It was only get this 10 megs up and down. And it never reached that by the way. It was like one in 10 yes. really. You know how it is. And, and I was paying like 300 and something dollars a month, you know? So that was shared between all my team members, right? That were working there. So now that they, they have more access, I said, Hey, look, I'll make you guys a deal because obviously they're going to have to pay for their own internet. Right. Yep. So, and I had, if we closed the office, well, I'd have all that stuff in the office. It's no longer good. So I made them a deal. I said, listen, you guys are responsible for paying for your own internet and a backup internet because I make sure they have to have a broadband line and a mobile line so they have backup. We always had two internet lines in my office. You guys are responsible to have two different forms of internet, right, which is costly. But in return, you guys can take the laptops home. Your own laptops, I will give them to you. Company property is now mm -hmm. your property. That's the deal. Um, they all unanimously voted yes. We want to work from home. Um, I did lose probably four or five people because we found out that, you know, a lot of people can't manage their time at home, sadly. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a totally different, you know, it's a totally different uh, idea. You don't have an office of people gathering around you that, that can motivate you and, you know, have tickle time at the water counter or whatever, you know. Like, it, it takes self-driven motivation to work for yourself from home. Um, so that was the big change for me that really multiplied my business fast was – being able to have a remote scaling uh, ability. And now I have a really amazing leadership team that I've put in place since 2019 that is really, they all have their own autonomy and power over their own teams. And I'm kind of the overlord that comes in and just <laughs> make sure my time is spent with my project team. I don't work on the day-to-day -day basis with any anyone on my team except for the PMs. The PMs get my full undivided attention for one hour a day from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. every day. And then that's that. That's what my day is. That's my dedication to my team. The rest of it is doing podcasts and doing whatever the hell I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I like that you touched on the, uh, the way that you, you change the way you pay them. Yeah. Um, I, of course, I don't have a team near as big as yours, of course, because we do different things. But I did try something because I have some remote staff too. And I tried, instead of increasing the pay because you know sometimes you know the ones that deserve it the ones that uh man it's midnight on a sunday and they're asking you something because they're working and you know the ones that deserve it and yeah. instead of increasing the pay i found that sometimes it's better to give them lump sum bonuses uh -huh. or or for example uh one of the things i do is when when covid got a lot, a lot of people that couldn't go to supermarkets yeah uh, there was one of the options for anybody that was in North America. I would do Instacart grocery deliveries to their homes. No. Yes. That's awesome. And uh, 
Yeah, so one of the things was I would only send fruits and vegetables. I would never buy anything unhealthy because if you want to buy unhealthy, you do it yourself, right? I'm not forcing you to eat this, but I'm sending you some free groceries. And I I was worried because I start sending healthy stuff and I'm like, are people going to complain that this is just plants and uh, but no, so it was it was yeah. very well received, and uh, again I did the laptop thing. I bought uh, Acer Nitro fives, uh, nice. which is somewhat of a gaming laptop. Well, it is a gaming laptop. It's not the top, but yeah, but they work really well for work. I'll tell you what, you want to talk about productivity? So, see, you're a smart man because healthy food increases productivity, right? Yeah. Fast computers increase productivity. So this is a fantastic idea and actually something that I've, I've done a few times myself is I reward people with things that are going to do good for the company. Give them a new mouse and keyboard. Give them a new monitor. Give yeah. them a new computer. Give them a new whatever, right? I think I bought it. Uh, the last time I was in the Philippines, I bought new computers and I had them custom built at this little computer shop in, in the Philippines. Uh, they were basically like gaming rigs, but I bought them uh, for those guys because they're my web and graphic designers. They, they do video editing too. So it's really, really yeah. valuable tool for me because it also gives them more ability to do their job. Oh, yes. And if I, uh, when you do like a Zoom call with, with the staff and, you, and they try to share the screen and show you how they do something, one of them, I mean, it was painful for me to watch that it was like <laughs> I, I could walk away, come back, and their mouse was still moving to go. <laughs> so I'm like... No wonder you work till midnight every single day. It's because it take you do the task that everybody does, but it takes you longer. So, Acer Nitro Five. It was like, those are sweet, man. Unreal. See, this is what I love because I think right now we have this really crazy movement, especially attached to the Black Lives Matter movement and all these other things. We have like this really crazy agenda, and I know that you don't like to talk politics, but it's very important for us to establish in business that there are people that just don't like business. There are very anti-business people, and to me, sadly, it's because I don't think that they understand how important entrepreneurship is to the growth of people all around the world. You know, like right now I have 80 people on my team. My payroll is insane, but I'm providing amazing jobs. And because like I said, 70% of my teams in the Philippines, most of the people that work for me are getting paid more than anyone in their family ever has generationally. Mm-hmm. And that to me is a moment of pride. It's a moment uh, and it's a pr- it's pride for them because they get to say, hey, look, Ma, look what I've done. You know, like this is incredible. Like it, it's it's incredible to to think that we can have such impact as entrepreneurs that we can literally. I mean, I, I'll be straight with you. You know, because I know you're on TikTok too. But on TikTok, I go by my hashtag the same, Jeff J Hunter. It's the same username. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll have people that like look me up and they're like, oh, you're just some white privileged whatever. You know, whatever they want to say to me, whatever. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I have 80 people on my team. And some woman tried to tell me, listen to this, about how trillions of dollars a year are stolen wealth from wages. And I was like, stolen wealth? Are you telling me that the 80 people that work for me, that I pay for them and their families every day, that I'm stealing wealth from them because I'm paying them a salary and because I'm creating a a positive ROI on their income? Come on. These people, they do not know business. They don't understand anything about things. They've got scarcity mindset. They've got employee mindset. They've never had to pay a damn payroll in their life or they'd understand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. There's uh, I can't even remember his name, but because like I, we mentioned earlier, uh, I suck at politics, but there's one guy, he's a politician that, uh, man, he has a podcast too. I can't remember the name. 
So anyway, the story won't make sense because I can't remember him. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, he, he speaks beautifully about defending entrepreneurship and and he's anti or anti the uh, the non-entrepreneurs, the ones yeah. that speak, like, like you said, against it. The anti-capitalist movement, you know, the people that say that we're, we're capitalist pigs, I gladly wear the shirt that says capitalist pig on it, you know, like for sure. Matter of fact, I think that's Steve Larson who, who, who put the capitalist pig shirt. He made it, he made it pretty popular, but um, you know, like, you know, through capitalism, and this is what's cool is we have a real cool obligation. And this is what's great about entrepreneurship and through capitalism is that we can use our money for whatever we want. And the more money that we have, the more we can use it. And the more money we have, the more good we can do with it. Right. And I think that money is just an amplification of a person's inner self. And if you are a good person, you have more money, you'll do good things. If you are a bad person, you have a lot of money, you do bad things. So, uh, you know, I think that the money is a tool. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an avenue to project. It's an avenue to do things. And, you know, every time I, I don't know about you, but every time I get new money in the door, I never say, Ooh, I'm going to, you know, like how, how can I save this money and squander it? No one I know who's a business owner does that. Matter of fact, every business owner I know who gets a paycheck thinks about how can I reinvest this in my business by hiring someone, by buying a new tool, by doing this, by doing that. And, and that's just how we grow, right? Yeah. How can I make somebody feel good? You probably know the experience when you make somebody feel good I mean, you feel probably 10 times better yeah. watching them their 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 happiness it, it's so contagious that that's exactly what you mean when one of my team, good one of my team members just wrote me a message and he asked me for permission and said hey i was going to write a facebook post about the new performance structure that i just set up for him and he says that he's been reviewing how much monthly that the clients are paying for the things that he's doing. And he calculated that his cost profit percentage is generating 70% profit for a 30% operation cost. And he says, and he said, I timed it for my birthday around July 1st. And I said, this would soften up. He was, he, his goal was he wanted to come to me for a raise, right? Mm. So he was going to come to me for a raise he had already done all the calculations on how much money he's making me. This is a smart kid, obviously, right? Yeah. I shouldn't say kid. He's, he's 30 something, but smart guy, smart young guy who already figured out, how, he figured out how much money he's making me. Right. And he's finding out that he's doing a seven, well, technically what 70%. Uh, so what would that be? The multipliers, it's a 300% multiplier almost right. Yeah. Of, the, of how much money he's bringing in compared to how much I'm paying him. And, then he was going to ask me for a raise. And lo and behold, the day that he asked me for a raise, he wanted to, he didn't ask me for a raise. He asked me for a meeting to talk about a potential raise, right? Yeah. The day after he said that, one of his biggest clients that was about 60% of that 70% canceled their subscription with us. And he was like, my whole plan went to hell, <laughs> right? <laughs> but see, I understand as an entrepreneur, first off, I know how valuable he is. I know he's going to generate money to me right now. You know, people come and go, right? So what ended up happening was we had that call. We discussed what we should do. And that's when I offered him a percentage of sales. When he brings people in, I'm going to give him a bonus incentive. And he was like so happy about it because first off, he gets a lot of sales. <laughs> mm -hmm. right? He gets 10 sales a month. It's a decent chunk. It's like almost double his, his salary. And second off, it's no skin off my back because he's making more sales, right? So now he wants to, he asked me for my permission to write a post about how we came up with the compromise and what happened. 
And of course, I'm like, bro, let's go, right? Tag me in the post. I'll make sure that my people see it too. And that's the thing about the tide. We all rise together, right? Hmm. Your team that works for you need to feel like they're on the same boat. They need to feel like when things go rough, they're in it with you. They need to know that when the revenue is going up, they're in it with you. And if they don't, if there's not that shared success and shared value, that's when the things start to fall apart. Yeah, man, oh man. You know, you, you, we agree on so many things. Uh, there, there was a kid that he was not part of my team, but he wanted to be, Jeff. You know, he messaged me. I can't remember if it was a DM, Instagram, something. He messaged me and he asked to be part of the team. And he said, I want to learn so bad. I'll work for you for free for a year. Wow. The, the, that motivation, somebody that's willing to do that, he has to be a hustler, right? I have you can't to. teach anyone that, you yeah. know? And, and this is what people always go wrong. And they, they say, you know, like, oh, well, they don't have the skills. They don't know how to do it. No, the, okay, that's true. But you can damn near teach someone how to do anything, right? One thing you can't teach is motivation. One thing you can't teach is passion. One thing you can't teach is loyalty. And that's why my hiring process, I never hire people looking for a job. Now, by the way, once in a while, I'll get someone like Julio, the guy I was just telling you about who wants to do the post. Julio, he came to me and he said, hey, Jeff, um, I already have a very successful career. I've been a sales manager here and a sales trainer at this call center for two and a half years. And I'm not looking for a job for anywhere else, but I really want to work for you. He's like, I really think you're fun. I love what you're building. I really believe in your purpose and mission. And he's like, I don't know if you have a sales role over there, but I'd love to talk about coming to your team. And I actually told him, I said, Julio, I don't, I don't have a sales role here. I'm sorry. I told him no. And he, you know what he did? He said, give me 24 hours. I'm going to come back with you with some ideas on how I could add value to your company. That sounds fair, right, Quinn? Yeah. So I said, okay, sure. Well, 24 hours later, he comes back with a 15 page PowerPoint slide titled why you should hire Julio. (laughs) And on page two, he got me on page two. I didn't even have to go any further on page two. It was a graph chart. It was a bar chart of proficiencies. And his very first one said Microsoft Excel and PowerPoint, like 80 out of a hundred. And another one was writing and social media skills, 90 out of a hundred. The other one was like Photoshop and whatever, 70%. And then one of them said, diet 30 (laughs) percent and he introduced himself as julio sales training manager fried chicken lover and vaping advocate oh wow and i knew i was like dude we're gonna be best friends you know (laughs) and um he's come to the team he's really revolutionized my business i used to do all the sales calls before him i don't do any sales calls he does all of them I didn't have a role for him. He came up and said, here's what I can do. Right now, you're spending this much on sales calls. You're doing this and you're doing that. I can help you come in. I can help put together a process. I can help build a team. I can help do the training. I can help onboard clients. How much is that worth to you? And I said, let's go, right? And that's the type of passion that I would love to see from everyone on my team. Of course, not everyone is always going to be like that. Mm -hmm. But even if somebody's 50% that man, that's, that's putting 1%, even if it's just 1% more than everyone else, it's noticeable. Yeah. I, I look for that too. The, the out of the box, like that chicken fried lover. I mean, yeah. who else puts that in a resume? You have to be special, right? Cause yeah. okay. I, we have to be a little bit professional, but 
come on, everybody likes a good laugh and everybody likes to be in the presence of somebody that's happy and thinks out of the box. So, boom. So, Jeff, you mentioned earlier uh, that you have you have a lot of good mentors now. Uh, I actually I saw you with I saw you with Gary V. Uh, I saw you with Tom Bilyeu a couple years yeah. ago. Tom are, are these some of your online mentors or do you have somebody even more uh, dedicated to you? I've invested so much in relationships and not just money, but you know, Dan Clark is probably one of my most amazing mentors. He's a, a brilliant copywriter, brilliant storyteller. He's most famous for his work on the chicken soup for the soul. Um, he's written a lot of those. He's just an incredible speaker, storyteller. He's, he, he by far is one of my, my biggest mentors. Another one is, Dan Kennedy, copywriter. I love storytelling copywriters. That's something that I've learned over time has become very valuable is the ability to tell a good story. Um, you know, you really get through the hearts and minds of people because most people, they really don't care about stats or PowerPoint slides and things like mm -hmm. that. If you tell a good story, they're going to remember it. Like right now, people are going to remember my story about Julio right? There was a hashtag trending when I told the first story about Julio. It was called hashtag find my Julio. Okay? Hmm. And, and it was an incredible moment for me because I realized, okay, I'm onto something here. You know, I'm building virtual teams of people that other people dream of. I've got people on my team right now out of my 80 people, you know, even just my, even if I just said my project management team, when I tell people about my project management team and what they do, I've got a graphic design and video editor project manager. I have a social media person. I've got someone who oversees the web development stuff. I've got someone who oversees sales. That's Julio. I've got another person who oversees the uh, virtual assistant, executive assistant, assistant team. I've got another one who oversees our podcast outreach campaign. Like I've got all these different people on my team that they all have their own individual teams, their own individual responsibilities. They take ownership and accountability of it, right? And that's just so hard to find, right? And most people don't even know where to start. And that's why, by the way, I don't hire people looking for a job. Going back to that, mm -hmm. I hire people that have already demonstrated proven capabilities and something that's a vertical of what I want them to do, that they've been there for two years or so, and that they already have proven tons of value to, the, to, the, to that company. And I say, hey, listen, I love the work you're doing over there. How about I pay you two times to three times more than you're getting right now, and you don't have to travel. All you have to do is wake up in your pajamas and come to work for daddy. That's it. I'm over here. All I'm saying is I got a savage over here. He's got a fat checking account ready to pay you. And I want you to do big things and I want you to grow together with me and let's do it. And most of the time they say, wow, no brainer. When can I start? Right. And you know, what the best part is I know when I make the right decision, when they come back to me and say, you know what, Jeff, this really does sound fantastic. Let me talk to my family about it blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to need like 15, you know, two weeks or 30 days to, to do a, a complete exit for my other company. Cause I'm so like, then I know like, Oh my God, they give a damn, right? Like how they treat leaving their other job will be replicated when they go to leave you. So be very cautious, mindful of how they treat that relationship. But Jeff, one more question before I let you go. Do you ever wear pants? <laughs> I'm not wearing pants right now. <laughs> That's why they call me the underwear entrepreneur. For those of you just listening in, you know, there's a sexy guy and it's, well, they're, they're matching black uh, boxer, boxer briefs. So nothing too beautiful to see here. But 
that's another beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur, right? Here I am in my computer, in my, in my office. I got a 900 square foot office. It's more of a, a production room. I got my computer nerd computer right here. Look at that with the oh. savage marketer etched in glass on the computer, you know, like that's pretty savage. Yeah. Wow. I got my custom sign back here that was too heavy to hang up. I got to get some custom reinforcements for my wall. <laughs> I mean, we live in a great age, man. And this is this, you know, like, I don't want to downplay what's happened with COVID-19 and what people are going through, but it has just been a very good time to be in a position of building virtual teams. That's all I'm going to say. Awesome. Jeff. So for everybody listening, if they want to find out more about you and jump into your feeds, where do they find you? Uh, jeffjhunter.com guys, you can see, uh, all my stuff there. And if you're looking into helping scale and grow your virtual teams, you can check out vastaffer.com. Um, I'll be the beautiful bald white guy amongst my team of Filipinos in the, in the starting picture. You can't miss me. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I'm just glad Quinn that we finally got this. I know it's been years in the making that we've been, uh, connected. Um, I would say my Facebook, but unfortunately, uh, I've been full on my Facebook friends list for like a year or two. So LinkedIn is a really great place to be. Um, I love LinkedIn. I think it's a really amazing emerging platform. And I, if you're not on LinkedIn, if you're not using it, you should. Yeah, I agree too. And for everybody listening, I'll, I'm going to have all those links on the show notes. For those of you that only listen, uh, you may want to take a uh, watch a video of this one so you can see Jeff's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see how it's done, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's how it's done. Jeff, thank you so much, man. It was a pleasure. Appreciate it.